0: New Year's is the only holiday we have that actually celebrates the passage of time. And perhaps that's why as the final uh, days and moments of the old year tick away, most of us become a little bit introspective and we look back and and we look ahead and inevitably that introspection it turns to maybe some thoughts of self-improvement, doing things better, doing things more, doing things differently and Then we have that annual ritual that we all uh, usually embark upon in a major way or a minor way, Uh, but it's talked about every year, this time of year, our annual New Year's resolutions. Now, in case you were wondering how you measure up uh, from Facebook, that incredible spiritual authority... Here are the top 10 New Year's resolutions for uh, going into 2020. According to one current survey, if your Facebook friends say differently, you can go with that. Uh, Exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest. I don't even know what that really means. Uh, Save more money or spend less money. And let me just tell you, either one will work either one works. Uh, Quit smoking, you should. Uh, Spend more time with family and friends. Travel more or read more. Top 10 New Year's resolutions for this year. Um, However good our intentions may be, it's unfortunately a running joke every January that uh, we simply don't have a very good success rate with New Year's resolutions. And uh, I wanted to explain this, but I didn't feel capable, so I went and looked up uh, some of the writing of Pauline Wallen from the Pennsylvania Psychological Association. She has a PhD, so she knows what she's talking about, even if you think I don't. Here's what she says about New Year's resolutions and why we don't keep them. Quote, January 1st arrives after a month of celebration and excess where self-discipline is not emphasized. In December, we allow ourselves more self-indulgence than in other months. And at some level, we all know this cannot go on indefinitely. So we impose upon ourselves a mental stopping point. On January 1st, we tell ourselves, I'll go on a diet or get organized or start an exercise program. I'll be ready. By January 1st. It's always easier, isn't it, to start next week or next month. And then when New Year's Day arrives, we tend to expect that self-discipline is going to magically overcome us and take over. And sometimes it does for several hours <laughs> or even days for some of you. And uh, then more often than not, we're soon overcome by a feeling of being deprived. We begin to resent the rules that we imposed upon ourselves, and we start to rebel or cheat in small ways. And pretty soon, rationalization takes over completely, or else we give up in frustration, and we're back to our old habits again. I thought she explained that rather well. What went wrong last year? You you made some New Year's resolutions. Uh, some of you have the exercise equipment with laundry hanging over it in your basement to prove it. Maybe your timing was off. After all, there is nothing really magical about January the 1st. It's just another date on the calendar. Maybe that wasn't the best time for you to make lifestyle changes. Or maybe it wasn't your timing that was off. Maybe, maybe your goals were off because... If we try to make changes that are too radically different from our normal lifestyle, that can be pretty difficult to maintain. Um, I think normally it's not timing or goals. I think normally it's this. I think most of the time it's that our focus gets off. We try to do too many things all at once. And by trying to have ten resolutions or five or even three uh, we set ourselves up for failure. And if we can't do them all, we end up doing none of them. And that's why on this last Sunday of the year, I'd like to prep you for 2020, if you'd allow me. I, I'd like to talk to you about something that could forever impact your spiritual life or your family or your future. And by the way, this works whether you believe in the Bible or not. Uh, the Bible uh, doesn't make uh, any, any uh narrow focus for just people of faith, the principles of the Bible will work for anybody if you follow them. And so even if you're not a person of faith, even if this is uh, just maybe the first time you've popped into CCC and and you're not a church person, it's okay, these principles, they work for anybody. And I'm not asking you to change everything all at once uh, because that hardly ever succeeds for any of us. And I'm not asking you to become a spiritual giant overnight, even if you lean that way. I'm just asking for a baby step in the right direction. That's all. I'm just asking as you consider moving into another year, another year on the calendar, another year in your life, another year when you're getting older, another year when you've got probably more responsibilities, I'm just asking you to consider doing just one thing differently next year. And, and, and the, the reason we don't is because usually we tackle too many things. And here's how I'd like to illustrate that with the post-it note. have post-it notes and you use them to write things down, maybe you've already got some post-it notes somewhere in your day timer or on your fridge or somewhere and you've got some things written down that that you want to do. And maybe there's a lot of them. Maybe it's like that guy. I don't know if you noticed this. I'm sure you didn't. But when he picked that one post-it note off of the the wall that said, what is your one thing? Right next to it was one of his resolutions. And the resolution was, I don't think you saw this. It was stop wasting post-it notes. That was his resolution. It was there. It was there. Jesus had this uncanny ability, and this is why scripture is so phenomenal. Jesus had this uncanny ability to focus his life Matthew in the gospel that he wrote, he continually notes things like this Jesus did this or said this or went here that the scripture might be fulfilled. And then Mark comes along behind Matthew, and in his gospel, he notes that Jesus straightway did this and straightway said this and straightway went here. And it's as if Jesus is in a hurry to accomplish his goals. Jesus refused to be detracted or deterred from his purpose. Many times, Jesus' enemies, usually the religious people of that day, they would try to distract him to some side issue. What they were doing was they were trying to stir up some contention that would hurt Jesus among the people. And time and time again, Jesus would look at them and and he would just deftly steer the conversation back to what really mattered. In in Luke's gospel, uh, Luke records this one place where they're just... uh, They've got an evil eye on Jesus. They're trying to mess him up in the eyes of the people. And and so first of all, it's that Jesus' disciples eat some grain on the Sabbath and that's a big deal. And now they're really watching him. And there's this man with a withered hand and Jesus, they can see it. Jesus is about ready to go over to this man and heal his withered hand. And, And so he can hear them, you know, you don't have secret conversations from Jesus. He can hear. He's got x-ray vision and he's got super hearing. And so Jesus is overhearing what they're saying and he also can read their heart. And they're getting ready to power up and criticize him for breaking the little religious policy they have about doing this on the Sabbath. And here's what Jesus said. I just wanna ask you one thing. Somebody say one thing. I just want to bring you back to center. I want to bring you back to what really matters. Is it lawful? Here's your law. you got your little principles and all your little tedious uh, little points. But is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to destroy it? What should we do? He brings them back in a heartbeat, in one question, to the central issue that God created the Sabbath for us, not us for the Sabbath. And then in Luke 20, once again, Luke is talking about uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and, and they're pushing in on Jesus once again. They don't like him. They don't like his popularity. And they're questioning where he gets his authority. Who gave you the authority to say these things and do these things? Who gave you that? And Jesus just leans in and he said, I just want to ask you one thing. Somebody say one thing. The baptism of John the Baptist. Was that from heaven or was that just a man? They don't know how to answer that. Because if they say John the Baptist's message was from heaven, then they're condemned because they didn't pay any attention to John. And if they say it's just from man, John the Baptist was a popular religious leader with all the people. Thousands of them were baptized by John. So if they say that, they're trapped. And Jesus just brings them back to the main point. You can't question my authority because you don't accept heaven's authority, so just kind of go away. And he constantly brings people back to this one central issue. And sometimes as people of faith, sometimes as believers, we need our attention to be brought back to just one thing. And that's what I'd like to try to do for the next just a few minutes. If you could just kind of open your mind and your heart to this, I think it could really help you. Because the devil sends dozens of distractions just trying to get our minds off of the things that are important and central to our spiritual lives and to our our best interests in our future. Now let me tell you something about your brain. Your brain, you only use 3% of it. 3%. They tell us that if you could get your brain to use 5% of its power, you would be considered a genius, 5%. According to psychologists, we don't even have enough imagination to imagine how great our imagination is. That's not profound, that's just confusing. Your brain is this untapped resource. God created it. In your brain, kind of down, if you, if you went straight through your ear and you hit something, it would be this. If you don't hit something, that's a different problem. I cannot help you with that. There's this little part of your brain called the reticular activating system. And it acts like a filter in your brain. It's kind of down at the lower part of your brain. And it has this important job. Its job is to uh, decide what information that's coming at you from every direction, your five senses and everything you hear and see and touch and taste. Its job is to filter that and decide which of that information is allowed to get through. Because it's always bombarding your nervous system nonstop. And then it allows those important messages, those important thoughts to go through. It's the reticular activating system. We'll just call it RAS for short. You have a RAS system in your brain. And it's always filtering your thinking. And and here's how it it, it works. It's kind of like what you feed it is what it accentuates. What you send to it intentionally, you can actually program your reticular activating system to kind of turn in a different direction. It's kind of a neat thought for the first of the year. Uh, That particular system, this has happened to some of you. You bought a car, and that car was brand new and it was this unique color and unique style and you got this certain package and, and, and you got this certain paint job and, and it was the only car going to be ever like that in the city of Fredericton until you drove it off the lot. And the minute you drove it off the lot, you started noticing, my goodness, there are hundreds of these cars in Fredericton. You never even saw them before. But because you programmed your brain to notice this kind of a car, now you notice everybody that has that kind of car. That's kind of a simple illustration, but that's how it works. And it would be difficult to imagine what life would be like if you didn't have this system working. You would be so overwhelmed with so many things bombarding your brain. you'd, You'd go crazy. And that's why people who have no established priorities... And no established habits, they get so overwhelmed so easily, and a lot of times they don't get very much accomplished. They're not using their filter. You you see, this uh, the most incredible thing about this reticular activating system is that you program it all the time. You do. You program it what to notice, what to allow what to refuse, what to consider, what to meditate on, simply by choosing the thoughts that you allow to dominate in your life. It learns from you, and then it filters according to what you send it, what is important in your life, what you focus on. And so you have incredible power to change your future, to change your decisions, to change your trajectory just by deciding what you're going to do in your little old brain. And the Bible tells us this as you would expect. In Proverbs, there's this passage. It's it's actually talking about when you get invited and you go uh, before a king and you're sitting at his banquet table and and don't be uh, kind of swayed by all the pomp and circumstance and don't be swayed by his graciousness because really, he might not think a lot of you and the writer of Proverbs, he gives us this principle. As a man thinks, in this case, it's a king, but as a man thinks in his heart, that's the way he really is. And it's true for you. As you think, that's the way your life turns out. You say, that's Old Testament. Well, here's New Testament in Philippians. Brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest and just, and pure, and lovely, and of good report. If there's any virtue in them, if there's any praise around them, think on those things. Why? Because if you think on those things, that's gonna pull your life in that direction toward good things, toward praiseworthy things. But if you don't think on those kind of things, your life gets pulled off course constantly. In the Old Testament prophet named Joel, he wrote these words. He was calling the people to war. He said, beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. We can't fight, we're just farmers. He said, you can fight, so take your farming implements and refashion them into weapons of war. We can't fight, we're not strong. He said, no, here's what you need to do. You need to recondition your thinking. Let the weak say, I am strong. And every once in a while, we have to do that to ourselves. Because if you listen to all your negative self-talk and all the negative things that are around you, you will think you can't do anything. You can't be anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't accomplish anything. And those are all lies. Somebody very wisely said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. Because it depends on how you think. And the Bible teaches us this. Pastor Raymond, is that a New Testament concept? Oh yeah, Paul said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into the way they think and the way they act and the way they do things. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if you'll let your mind, if you'll refocus your mind, if you'll uh, aim your mind in God's direction, You can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so I just have a couple things to say to you. And we'll let you get on your way with this last Sunday of the year. But that's why today on this final Sunday of 2019, I'd like to strongly say to you that the very best thing you could probably do for yourself is just this year. Don't focus on 25 things. Don't focus on 10 things. Focus on one thing. Focus on one thing that God has laid on your heart that you know you need. Put aside all the competing, distracting thoughts that are battling for your attention because you know how it is. When you try to tackle 10 things, you don't get any of them done. And you get to the end of another year and you just say, I didn't get it done. Maybe next year. But I'm encouraging you. In fact, I'm pushing you a little bit this morning. What you need to do is put aside everything else and say, you know what? There's one thing that I know if I could go there. I know if I could do that. I know if I could be that. That would change everything. And you need to focus on that one thing and not 10 things. You say, what about those other things? There's next year. If you just accomplish one of them, that might be more than you accomplished this past year with your list of what you would like to do. Don't try to change everything at once. Don't try to become some spiritual giant. I, I, was it Shakespeare that said, consistency, thou art a jewel? Someday I really want to hammer down and preach a sermon on consistency. There is this wonderful It's just amazing, a consistent person. You know, some people, they're like Lone Ranger Christians. They just fly in, they fly to the altar, they talk in tongues and sprinkle pixie dust all over everybody and prophesy over 15 and then they go and you don't see them for a while. Next time they come, they're sitting like in the back and they're all humped down and they're all slumped over and they're all sad, and they're all depressed and, and then something happens. I don't know what it will be, but it's some special service or some special preacher and it's not the pastor so they can finally, you know, get a touch from God. I don't know what happens, but all of a sudden they're back in the front again. Woo! And then you just watch it. Here's the danger for some of us that have been around for a while. You know, like me, I'm 57 years old and I've been around Pentecost 136 years. (laughs) Seen everything. You can't scare me. You can't even make me nervous. I've seen all the wacky weird stuff. But, but, you know, know, the danger for the rest of us is we could become a little cynical about that. Yeah, well, it's just gonna be a while till they crash and burn. (laughs) Meanwhile... You've never, (laughs) at least sometimes. But there is this wonderful thing about consistency to just kind of be steady for God, to just kind of be steady in pushing. You don't have to make this miraculous turnaround the first week of the new year. What you need to do is make a decision This year's my year to tackle this one thing that's been holding me back and holding me down. And if you'll do that, God will help you. Just focus on one thing, making one difference in the coming year. In Mark chapter 10, there was this rich young man that came to Jesus and he had all these great intentions. I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna be your disciple. And Jesus loved him and here's what he said to him. You just lack one thing. Somebody say one thing. You just lack one thing. You've got good intentions and, and, and you've got a lot of big dreams and plans, but you just lack one thing. Here's what you need to do. This is the one thing that would change your life. Go your way, sell whatsoever you have, give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then you can come and take up the cross and follow me. You just need to do one thing. There's only one thing you're missing, and you know what it is? You've given all your attention to your money. You've given all your attention to your career or your business, and you've given all your attention to that, and you just lack one thing. You've got big dreams and big plans, but you lack One thing. Sometimes it's just one thing that would make the difference. What is it that you lack? Maybe it's that you are one of those people, just like that young man, that you're so devoted to your career or your job or your business or whatever it is that that you don't give proper time to your spouse or your children at home. and, and, And maybe they're suffering because you're so tied up in that. Maybe that's the thing you lack. Maybe what you lack is just that peace. In your home, maybe what you lack is that real relationship of love and respect at home. One thing, can you imagine with me how different your life, your marriage, your home, your parenting, your future would be if you just change not 10 things, just that one thing, just that one thing would make such a difference and you could tackle the rest later. Because if you try to tackle them all together, you probably won't tackle any of them. But just one thing, one thing you lack. Sometimes it's just one thing that I'm missing, one thing that I lack, one thing that is kind of like the, the, the gaping hole in my plan. I, I, I got it together in many areas, but there's just this gaping hole. Can I, can I give you just a little piece of unsol? All the advice pastors give is unsolicited. So let me give you another piece of unsolicited advice. Talk to somebody that you love, that's close to you. Talk to your spouse and find out what you're lacking. Talk to a dear friend and find out what you're lacking. If they're the kind of friend or spouse that will be honest with you, they can tell you better than you can determine it yourself. One thing I lack. The psalmist, he wrote these words in Psalm 27. One thing I have desired of the Lord. Here's what I'm going to give my attention to. This is what I'm going to seek after. I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The psalmist wrote these words. He said, for for me, it's a little different. It's not something I lack, it's something I want. I've got this desire. There is one thing that I want. For some of you, that's where you need to go this year. There's one thing that I want. I've desired it. Maybe it's you need to buckle down and just keep praying until God answers because you pray in spurts and you pray in seasons and you pray for a while and then you think God's not gonna do it. But, but maybe if you just buckle down and say, there's one thing I want and I'm gonna get that one thing that I want this year. I'm not gonna try to go after five things. I just need this from you, God. I just need this in my life. I just need this in my home and I'm gonna go after it. Maybe it's one thing that you want. And then there's this verse in Luke When Jesus was at the home of his dear friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, you know this story. All the housewives in the building know this story because you've taken great offense, sometimes at the wrong person in this story. Martha is the busy lady who's preparing dinner and she's banging pots and pans around in the kitchen all in an attempt to get Mary to get up Come into the kitchen and help for a while. And she's type A, Martha is, and she's just beating stuff around and making a lot of racket and noise and trying to get Mary to pay attention to her. But here's what's going on with Mary. Jesus only comes here once in a while. And while Jesus is here, I'll help you with dinner tomorrow. But while Jesus is here, I'm just gonna be at his feet because I don't get this chance often enough. And when Martha finally comes in, imagine that she comes in, interrupts Jesus' talk with Mary, and she just said, Jesus, she's not helping me. She needs to leave you and come help me. And Jesus says to her, no, Martha, one thing. Somebody say one thing. One thing is needful. And Mary chose the one thing that is needful. She's chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, it's a a good thing to focus on the one thing you want. But could I tell you sometimes we need to focus on the one thing that we need because we can want stuff that's probably not that good for us. We can want stuff that we think is a blessing but it actually ends up being a curse because it takes our focus away from God, takes our focus away from church. We think we want it and when we get it, it actually is destructive. But if we could focus in on You know, in my heart of hearts, in those moments when it's just me and God, maybe it's late at night, maybe it's early in the morning when I'm all alone, I know there's something I need. And what I need trumps what I want. I want this, but what I need is more of God. What I need is an intimate relationship with God. What I need is peace in my home, not a new job to get us more stuff for our house. No, I need something different. What you need is often much more important than what you want. And again, I'd encourage you, ask somebody that loves you, ask somebody that's close to you and say, if you could tell me one thing that I really need, what would it be? If you don't have anybody like that in your life, That's probably one thing you need is somebody like that in your life. Music, come on back and I'll end here. The writer of most of the New Testament, he was a brilliant guy named Paul. He was an apostle, meaning that he traveled around and he planted churches and he raised up leaders and he pushed the gospel into unknown unceded, unplanted territory. He was amazing. And he had nothing but grief to show for it. He was criticized, he was persecuted, he was ostracized, and finally he was jailed. And in prison, when he sat down and just had time to think, lots of time, and time to write, too much time. Paul wrote a letter to a group of people he knew in Philippi, and uh, he wrote about his life, and he wrote about his struggles. He was very open with them. He said, you know, there's people that are cheering because I'm in here. It's like their ministries are better and greater, and they have more opportunity because I'm in jail, and I'm out of the way. You read it, first chapter of Philippians. He said, you know what about those guys that are not very ethical and not very kind and And they're preaching and I'm in here and they're kind of cynically smiling because I'm laid aside and now they can get the opportunities that they thought I had. You know what he said about those people that had treated him so wrongly? He said, whether in pretense, whether it's by a phony and a fake and a fraud, whether in pretense or in truth, at least whether they're genuine or whether they're a fraud, at least the gospel's being preached. And so I'll just sit here in this jail cell and I'll thank God that somebody's preaching the gospel, even if their motives are a mixed bag and even if I'm not sure I trust their ethics, at least they're preaching the gospel. So I'll just rejoice. That's, that's a pretty big man. And as he's recounting his life and, and his ministry and some of that to the Philippians, he gets talking about some of the things he gave up to follow God and, some of the things he wants to do for God, and he gets talking about the journey. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter three, brethren: I want you to know something. I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't captured it yet. I haven't seized the prize yet. I haven't achieved the goal yet. I'm not there yet. But there's one thing I'm going to do. One thing I do. Here's what I'm going to do. Maybe this is what you need to do at the end of this year before you make your journey in about 60 hours into next year. Maybe here's what you need to do. Paul said, this is the one thing I'm going to do looking forward. I'm going to forget everything that's behind. Boy, did he have a lot of stuff that he could have forgotten. Forget persecution, forget unfairness, forget injustice. Forget enemies, forget friends that ended up to be enemies and I'm going to forget all the things that are behind. And here's what I'm going to do. Just one thing. I'm not going to do 10 things. I'm just going to do this one thing. I'm pretty limited here in a prison cell. I can't do 10 things. But I can do this thing. I'm going to just close the door on everything that happened before. It was hard It was painful. It was unfair. It was wrong. They were wrong. They hurt me. They wounded me. But here's what I'm going to do. I can't do ten things, but I'm going to do one thing. One thing I do. I'm going to forget that, and I'm going to reach for something greater. I'm going to reach for those things which are before. Somebody say one thing. Maybe that's what you need this morning just one thing I do. I I, I can't do 10. I'll I'll fail at all. them. I can't do five because I won't get them accomplished. I'll spread myself too thin and I'll reach too high and I'll be back here at the end of this coming year and we'll be joking about New Year's resolutions again. If I could get you to erase all of that, I could give you a great gift. If you could just erase all of that, because some people waste their weeks away and waste their months away and, and wish their years away thinking, if I just had that, if, if my marriage was just like that, if, 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 if I was as good as, if I was as great as, if I had as much as, if I had the chance they did and if I had the start they were given. And you wish away the one and only life God gave you, wishing to be something you're not wishing to be someone you're not. And if you could just, if I could give you a gift, it would be the ability to take that beautiful, powerful brain that God gave you and just focus to the exclusion of everything else, all the pain, all the hurt, all the past, all the wounds, and just say, I can't fix all of that. But I can do one thing this year. I can get up every day and I can say, I close the door on that and I open the door to this. I close the door on the past and I open the door to the future. One thing. Somebody say one thing. You can go with it. You can take your little post it notes and you can post a thousand priorities. You can make your list if you're a list maker. I could get you to just put on the brakes before you do all of that before you even consider all that and if I could just give you I can't but if I could I would but if I could just ask you get a holy ambition get a godly passion get a firm commitment but this year I'm going to look around it's not ten things I need it's one thing I need. It's not five things I want. No, it's, it's one thing that I want. It, it, it's not a hundred things that I lack. Oh, I could go there. I could make you the list. Believe me. But there's just one thing that I know that I lack. So many of the other things that I lack, if I could fix them, it wouldn't change much. But there's one thing that I lack. And if I could change that, This one thing, I do. What is your one thing today? What is your one thing? Maybe you're seated beside that person, but there's one thing you need to do to fix that relationship. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for these wonderful people that have kindly given me their attention. And I've pushed and I've encouraged and I've stated. But God, it's just words unless you take over. But for somebody here, in fact, probably for many people here, if they could just get a hold of that one thing, that one thing, would change everything. So we're open right now. Church, would you lift up your hands and would you let God talk to you? if you're not a person of faith you'll just need to kind of rely on your common sense and God gave you that and you'll need to rely on just thinking through the next year and God gave you the ability to do that but if you're a person of faith you have an advantage right now in this moment if you would pray to God God would like to speak to you and and, and please don't push it away and try to find something you think is more important whatever God speaks to you in this moment that's your one thing it's probably not going to be something that you're excited about. It's probably going to be something that's going to demand some work. It's probably going to be something that's going to demand some prayer. It's probably going to be something that's maybe even going to demand an apology. But if you'd let God speak to you about one thing for the new year, God would use this coming year to turn your life inside out and upside down. and He'd give you so many things if you'd focus on the one thing. Church, I I just need you to pray right now is what I need. Oh, Jesus, we're open right now. Speak, God. We're open right now. Speak, God. Would you stand to your feet? Would you let your hands continue up toward the heavens? And would you just continue to pray for a moment, everybody? Church, I'm not talking about a sedate little kind of dismissal prayer. I'm talking about would you push yourself into prayer. There are some intercessors in this building that if you'd make that one need your focus this year, God would do something miraculous. There are some couples in this building that if you'd make that one decision your priority this year, God would bless your home in a way you can't even comprehend. One thing. Not 20 things. One thing. One thing. One thing. What's your one thing? What's your one thing? not too far out of your comfort zone would you just connect with a friend beside you maybe place your hand on their shoulder or if take them by the hand whatever feels normal natural easy would you begin to pray right now some of you your couples you need to find your one thing this year some of you you're good friends you can encourage each other you need to find your one thing this year Some of you, you've let the same situations beat up on you year after year after year and and the devil has pounced on you and, and he's lied to you and he's told you it's never gonna change and the devil is a liar. It can change. It will change. It's the power of one thing. Just one thing. One thing can change everything. One thing can change everything. What's your one thing? Guys, take this screen up, you please? We're gonna have a wonderful baptism in just a few moments, and as they're preparing for that, we've only got this one service today. We've got our home groups tonight. Would you step out of where you're standing and could we gather around the altar? This will be our last chance to do this on a Sunday in 2019. Would you step out of where you're standing and come to the altar? And let's make this an altar of commitment for our one thing. What's your one thing? What's your one thing? Let's sing.